Hello and welcome to another edition of Take Charge Basketball Podcast. I'm joined here again with, with Mike DiMartino. What's going on everybody? Ken, pleasure to be back. Always love doing this. Um, got a great episode ahead today. Um, a lot of stuff in the news. Obviously playoffs going on. And uh, you know we're excited to talk about it. Yeah, I mean I think what we should start with um, is, is our thoughts and prayers out. To the Popovich family, I think the whole basketball world is really taken aback by this. Right. With the passing of Aaron Popovich, uh, I mean they've been married for for four decades. Crazy, crazy. It's it's just very sad news and and coming at a really stressful time uh, for everything going on in Pop Pop's life. But I think this definitely takes importance, and um, I'm glad to see that he's not coaching today because I think it's really important that he's with his family. Yeah, family first always. Um, it's horrible. Horrible timing, too, just with the situation there in San Antonio. It's just always got to put family first. But um, as we continue on, make sure you follow us on Twitter. You can follow me personally at KenColome24. You can follow Mike at MDMartino203. And then you can also follow the Take Charge Basketball Podcast Twitter at TakeChargeBball. And then also remember, we are on Apple Podcasts, so please subscribe, rate, review. We would love to hear your feedback, what you have to say, because your feedback is is really important to us. Um, And then also, um, our playoff charge rankings. So we remember our regular season winner was Kyle Lowry. Yep. So uh, looking at the playoff charge rankings, we'll, we'll start with that so I don't forget it. Because I've forgotten it the past few times, or forgotten in the past. Um, right. So so far, it's been Kyle Korver and Kyle Lowry both have two charges, and then it's kind of the rest of the pack with one charge or zero charges. Yeah, Kyle Korver really um, not known as a real kind of hustle guy, but uh, last last game for Cleveland really um, brought brought a spark off the bench, hustling all over the place, diving on the floor, taking charges. Yeah, he had one that I remember uh, watch. I forgot who it was. Was driving just straight down the lane. He really stepped in and took a great charge. Yeah, that that really helped the team. But um, anyways, let's let's get in. Let's start off with some recent NBA news before we get into the first few games of each first round playoff matchup. Um, so I guess the big news going on are the all the different coaching firings. Uh, Steve Clifford, Frank Vogel, Jeff Hornacek, all out. Uh, Steve was with the Hornets, Frank with Orlando, and Jeff with the New York Knicks. Dave Yeager was thought to be on the hot seat and might have been out in Sacramento, but they're giving him one more year with the Young Guns over in San Fran- or sorry in Sacramento. Yep. And then also something that was interesting was Mike uh, Budenholzer was allowed to interview with the Suns, and he's currently uh, with the Hawks. Correct. But we'll we'll talk about the coaches and coaching changes and all that stuff on a later episode, probably after the playoffs, once there's uh, some more news on that and we can really dive deeper into into that topic. Yeah, once the uh, coaching carousel starts taking off, once the off season begins. But yeah, so uh, let's get it started with our um, recap of the first two games so far of the uh, playoffs. Yeah, I I. Th- I think for this, I really wanted to do it after each team, 
got to play two games. Yeah. I think one game was enough sample size. And uh, I think it's a good transition period because after the first two games, they switch um, home court. So all the higher seeds will, will now be on the road after this. But yeah, let's start with the Rockets with the one seed and the Timberwolves with the eight in the Western Conference. The Rockets are, are up 2-0. They won the regular season matchup 4-0. So they're 6-0 and yep. against the Timberwolves this season so far. They've, been, they've done a really good job. Offensively and defensively, they have a net rating of 8.3 per 100 possessions. And uh, despite a bad game, too, Harden is still averaging 28 points per game and 7.5 assists. Yeah, I think um, pretty much the Rockets have dominated this uh, these first two games um, over the Timberwolves. I think it's a, it's a great sign for Houston. Actually, game two, Harden only had 12 points. Um, what I was just saying is, I think it's a great sign knowing that he doesn't have to put up huge numbers for them to um, play really well, for them to you know blow out a team. Um, so that's a good sign for them. But probably the most, probably the biggest storyline coming out of coming out of this series so far is Carl um, Anthony Towns's inefficiency so far, his his low usage rating. Um, you know, he only took nine shots yesterday, five points. I believe all five are in the first quarter. Um, so a lot of talk about Carl Anthony Towns, a lot of role player type guys in Minnesota getting a, a higher usage rating than him. Um, so I'm sure the Timberwolves coaching staff is trying to figure that out right now um, and try to try to even this up when they go back to Minnesota. Yeah, I, looking at Carl Anthony Towns, his usage rate is, I mean, I would expect it. I'm fine with Jimmy Butler. If Jimmy Butler gets right. more shots and is a part of the offense more than Carl right. Anthony Towns, I, I don't have a problem with that. But the problem is that he's below Jamal Crawford, Andrew Derek Wiggins, and, and Derrick Rose. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think Derrick Rose and, and Andrew Wiggins coming off. Um, well, let's see. I think Derrick Rose is coming off the bench. Him getting more shots is just yeah. Not I, think he, good. I think Rose took like sixteen shots. I don't know if it was game one or game two, but one game he took sixteen shots when Towns had like eight or something, which mm-hmm. is um, probably not the goal or that that team has in mind. But um, yeah, like I said, that it's up to them to figure that out. Right, and and it actually gets worse in the clutch. So overall, throughout the game, his usage rate is twenty three, and in the clutch, so that's the last five minutes of a game. His usage rate is only sixteen percent, right? Which is just uh, you need to go to him. You, I think it just needs to be Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns. They they have to play off each other, and I don't know. I haven't watched too much of their their offensive system or, or really given a deep look at it, but th- they got to get some action going between those two guys. Whether it's a high pick and roll or some designated handoffs or or, or just something. Right. I feel like um, when I've watched them a little bit, I tend to see a little. Um, a little too much isolation sometimes, uh, Jimmy. But like you said, I mean, don't mind Jimmy Butler, like letting him do his thing. But sometimes throws up a little more jump shots. Even Towns too is um, this series particularly is taking on a little more three pointers, kind of those fade away mid range um, post jump shots rather than kind of bruising in the paint, getting some easy buckets. But I think that's also a testament to uh, Clint, Clint Capella and, and even Nene off the bench of have been fantastic defensively on him. Uh, that was, I assume, Houston's game plan to um, really take 
Towns away and make him a non-factor, and, and they were successful at that in the first two games. Going back to, to Houston, too, I think it's awesome that uh, CP3 is really being able to help Harden out. He's got 20.5 points per game and adding six assists. So I think when, when Harden's not playing well, like, like game two, Chris Paul was able to step up, uh, vice versa, although I think Chris Paul has had two pretty solid outings. Yeah, One hasn't been really higher than the other, but it's, it's great that, that Chris Paul is, is able to help out, and I'm sure James Harden really uh, really is appreciative of that help. Yeah, you, uh, you think the, the Rockets finished the sweep in Minnesota? Just they've been so dominant. I just don't. I I can see maybe the Timberwolves getting Taking one game. One, yeah. I think maybe Jimmy Butler ha- has a game where where he takes over Carl Anthony Towns. They'll, they're definitely gonna start getting him the ball more, or else I think they'll probably hear it from their fans. Yeah. <laughs> but um, and then maybe Wiggins gets hot one game. But we, I mean, as a team, they're shooting thirty one percent from the three, and and against the Rockets, that's that's not gonna win you yeah. a game. Right. So that that number definitely needs to go up. And then I guess do you have anything else on this series? No, not really. I mean, Houston's really been dominant so far. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Minnesota does when they go home, uh, what kind of adjustments they make. But um, I, I think Houston will finish it off with a sweep. Definitely, yeah. Uh, I, I say I say Timberwolves get a game, but four okay. one yeah. four one Rockets. And then let's move on to. My favorite series yep. of of the playoffs, and that's the four five matchup: Thunder with the four, Jazz with the five. Unfortunately, my prediction for the Jazz seeding didn't hold. I thought they were gonna get that four seed, maybe the third seed, mm-hmm. but they ended up with the fifth. And this this is a really intriguing matchup. Yeah, they still um, even though they didn't get that four, they were uh, able to take a game on the road in game two in Oklahoma City, which was a uh, Really surprising win. I mean, it surprised me. Uh, Donovan Mitchell really took over, had 28 points in that game. Um, the guys from Oklahoma City, Paul George, Russ, Carmelo, all kind of folded in the fourth quarter um, of that game. Um, but, yeah, this is really a really intriguing matchup. Um, I think this I pretty this one's pretty likely to go to seven. Um but yeah, real interesting matchup. Two two different types of teams, um, but they've they've really been going at it. It's been high intensity. Um, let's look at some of these numbers we got. Well, I mean, I think it's 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 tied one one, but yeah. the the Jazz do have a higher net rating at of uh, four point six per one hundred. So I guess um, they they have a higher net rating. So. They both games combined, they've they've scored more and and uh, defended better, but um, I think it's still it's still pretty even. And then also uh, looking at um, both teams shooting, they're they're both shooting very well. The Jazz are shooting forty four percent from the field, so is OKC, and then uh, OKC shooting slightly better from three at thirty nine percent. Compared to the Jazz's thirty-five, which which is to be expected, yeah, with the premier shooting of, of Paul George, playoff P, playoff P has, yep. has come out and, and has been shooting pretty well from outside. Melo isn't shooting; he's not; he hasn't played the best, but he's not as atrocious as he was during the regular season. 
his his shooting numbers during the regular season was were abysmal. Right, bottom five of the league. Yeah, I think a a bright spot for for Utah too has been Ricky Rubio shooting forty five percent. Has opened a lot more opportunities for them on the offensive end. Um, you know, a guy like Rubio is not usually known as a shooter, but he's he's been getting better. Um, but yeah, for him to be shooting forty five percent these two games really uh, given Utah a lift on the the offensive end. But I think uh, really the difference maker in this series is going to be Russ Westbrook and and Paul George, probably the two best players on the court um, at all times. Like they were kind of non-existent at that the end of game two. Uh, Donovan Mitchell really kind of dominated both of them uh, offensively and defensively. So I think it's up to those guys to really uh, take charge and try to take control of the series. But um, how do you think this one's going to end up? I think uh, the Jazz win in really? in six. I'm I'm gonna say Jazz win in a six, four to two, and but I think also something to to point out as well with the Thunder, um, Russ Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony are scoring 67 of OKC's 105 points per game. Yeah. So those three guys are really accounting for most of the offense. Yeah. Stephen Adams is has. I think is at 10.5 points per game. So those four guys are scoring 77 points, which is way over half. Right. And, and that is a little bit dangerous just because you, you want a little bit more balance. And looking at their offense, they ran a lot of ISO, which Traditionally, they, 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 they do run, guys, and that yeah. they've been doing that through the season. But it was a lot of like high pick and rolls and, and guys standing around. There's not a lot of movement, which is why I, I like the Jazz. Who, who do have more movement, who have really good defensive schemes, yeah. and, and they can game plan for that. And then they have Rudy Gobert inside if if somebody drives. Right. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, Jazz are playing really good, really well, but um, I think the Thunder are going to take this one in seven because I think if they could take it to seven, mm-hmm. if they could steal one in Utah, I think they'll game seven in Oklahoma City I think is going to be tough for, for Utah to win. But... Um, just just based off that that home crowd, you know, Oklahoma mm-hmm. City, like one of the best fan bases in the league. Um, so yeah, I, I like Oklahoma City in seven, but but man, like Donovan Mitchell, like still amazing to me, man. Watching him, what he did in game two, um, just the array of moves. He's not afraid of the spotlight. Mm-hmm. He he's he's not back. He doesn't back down. He gets the ball one on one against Westbrook or Paul George. He wants to go right at him. But he, he really doesn't force anything either. Like like you said, like Utah, the way they their style of play, their offense, they a lot of movement, sharing the ball. He's really playing within the flow of the game. He's not forcing anything, like which is typical for a rookie to do. He's not pressing at all. Um, yeah, just just like everybody else, really impressed by Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, that that's a fair point. Also, with I think the reason why. Uh, I think the Jazz are going to win. I believe Ricky Rubio, he's he shot a lot better from three this season in general. I, mean, I know two games is a small sample size, but with his three-point shooting and if the Thunder feel actually threatened by that, which I think they are, it, it gives the team more spacing. Yep. And it gives Donovan Mitchell a lot more room to work, so uh, Ricky Rubio's guy isn't helping as much, right? which I think is, is really important, especially if, if you give Donovan Mitchell – the ability to to maneuver in, in a high pick and roll with either Derek Favors or Rudy Gobert, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be dangerous. Right. 
But yeah, I think that's that's all for that. Let, let's move on to the Warriors at the two seed versus the Spurs at the seven. There's not really too much to say about this one. I, I think this is I think this is gonna be the one clean sweep where I could I would put my money on it being a clean sweep. Yeah, we both we both agreed that this has probably been the most lopsided series. Um you wouldn't think so because it's the Spurs. Yeah. You know what I mean? But um with everything that's going on in San Antonio right now, it's kind of a kind of a bad re- it's kind of a recipe for disaster. Um right. the fact that they're playing the Warriors, the fact that they got that seven seed, they ended up playing the Warriors, um, all the Kawhi Leonard drama, now Coach Popovich's wife passing away. Um, it's just you know what I mean, it's just a bad, bad combination of events. You can't really predict for that kind of stuff yeah um so yeah i sweep you think yeah i think it's sweep i mean just looking at the the net rating per 100 i mean the warriors yeah, just dominated <laughs> at, at 22.5 which is which is ridiculous Shooting 53 percent from the field through two games yeah. as a team is also pretty insane yeah and then 47 from three and that's that's a ridiculously high number um clay thompson and Kevin Durant have combined for 57 points per game. Clay's really stepping up in the absence of Steph Curry. Yep. And they're just kind of clicking right now, and it seems like they're putting it to rest. At least for now, I don't want to make this assumption too early, but from what we've seen, they've they've handled their business against a less-than-stellar Spurs team like they were supposed to and where they were being criticized towards the end of the season. Yeah, and... Um... Yeah, I think it's super impressive that they're they're dominating in this way without Steph Curry. Um, I think the Rockets are looking over their shoulder a little bit, um, but that's that's going to be an exciting matchup if they end up getting their Warriors Rockets. Um, I think that's the one everyone wants to see. Right. Um, that could be a while away. That would be uh, the Western Conference Finals matchup. Um, but yeah, you got anything more for Warriors Spurs? Yeah, I think just looking at their shooting numbers, <laughs> I mean the Spurs are shooting twenty six percent from the three point line, just right. like the just like the Timberwolves shooting so low from three with the Rockets. You're not going to beat the Warriors shooting twenty six percent from the yeah. three. Yeah, and then also most of their shots and most of their offense have been has been going through Lamarcus Aldridge and Tony Parker, and Lamarcus Aldridge. I mean he was he was a lead guy for them during the season, but but Tony Parker right. he's, he's a little bit past his prime. And I don't, I don't know about relying on him, but then again, who else do you have to rely on? Maybe Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay, Dejounte Murray, a little people bit. People predict, people predicted, yeah, Rudy Gay's usage to go up. Um, I mean, he's he's a guy, he's a proven scorer, mm-hmm. veteran. Um, I would look to him a little bit, but um, right now, I mean, hey, I I say, hey, go to our young guys a little bit. Dejounte Murray, um, he's got to step up. Um, yeah, Tony Parker coming out of nowhere, like he hasn't didn't really play a huge role for them in uh, during the regular season. Obviously, coming back from injury, um, designated himself to the backup role. Um, but yeah, I I don't really see any shot for the Spurs in this series. Yeah, I I think they rested Tony Parker, kind of like a like an Andre Iguodala situation. Yeah, I guess it's funny that they're playing each other. And because Andre Godala, it's been known that they kind of rest him a little bit throughout the regular season, yeah. and then during the playoffs they ramp him up. I mean, he's starting, 
Started so, a point guard game one, I believe. Right? Yeah. So I, I think that that's what the Spurs was were doing with uh, Tony Parker. Yeah. Let's move on to uh, Trailblazers with a three seed versus the Pelicans with a six seed, and this has been the matchup that has been the most uh, noteworthy in terms of an upset. The Pelicans are up two zero. They split their season series two to two. But the big news here is is Drew Holiday has really been killing it. He's just he's just looked physically stronger, and he's just bullying guys in, in the paint, being able to get to the lane, and and also off offensive rebounds. There's a few times where he's just absolute bullied Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum. Yeah, and uh, defensively as well. I mean, he made obviously he's he's an all league defense caliber player. Mm-hmm. Um. And he's been putting the clamps on both McCollum and and Lillard. Um, and at the end of um, was it game one or game two when he had that block against Pat Connaughton at the end? That, that was game, game one. one. Yeah, it came up with a huge play at the end to, to seal the game. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I think Drew Holiday has really been the star of the playoffs so far. Um, you know, the playoffs are always a time for, like, role players. And not to say Drew Holiday is a role player. Um, he's a little more than a role player. But guys that – aren't household names, superstars, yeah. really step up and when they make an impact can make a name for themselves. And they got the 2-0 series lead. It took two on the road, which is surprising. You don't usually see that. Yeah. Um, so now they're going back home. I'm sure New Orleans, their fans are going to be fired up. They haven't been in this position in a long time. And this is definitely a team to be excited about. Rajon Rondo is another guy who's been playing fantastic. He's finding his stride with this unit. Um, this Pelicans team has been a great fit, um, and Anthony Davis, like, obviously, like, is killing it. Um, yeah, R- Rondo almost has a triple-double, uh, 11 points, 9 assists, 13 rebounds. Yeah, he's looking like, uh, he's looking like Celtics Rondo. Exactly, right yeah, he's, he's been really playing well, picking, filling the holes where, where Anthony Davis and, and Drew Holiday might be lacking a little bit and, and really fitting in as kind of that third guy. Mm-hmm. And then also Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday have combined for 55.5 points per game, which is impressive. And you kind of expected their offense to roll through those two guys, especially the way that both of them ended the season. They, they really played well. And again, that's a, a testament also to Alvin Gentry, who's done a phenomenal job there. Right. And I think... Um... Some of some of their glue guys, some of their role players have also uh, stepped up in the series so far. Uh, one of the biggest knocks against the Pelicans has been their uh, their lack of three point shooters. Mm-hmm. That was the one of the biggest question marks. But uh, Ian Clark has been shooting the ball fantastic so far. Etwan Moore as well. Um, so those guys have definitely been helping out. Uh, Rondo's obviously can find them, um, and with Anthony Davis play a little inside out. Uh, so yeah, but but what do you think of um, CJ and Dame? Their struggles a little bit, uh, struggling scoring the ball, um, which has really um, led to two losses for for Portland. Because if those two guys aren't going, uh, they pretty much have no chance. It's it's different from what we've seen in the past because Damian Lillard has really stepped up. In big moments, yeah. I mean, look, yeah. look at Game Six against the Rockets, where, right. where he hits that that game winner. But he, yeah, he's really not. He hasn't been doing too well, averaging seventeen points per game, and he's leading the team in turnovers 
with 3.5 per game. CJ is leading the team with, with 20 points per game, but both have been in, inconsistent. Mm-hmm. I think it was the first game where they only hit one or two field goals between them, and Yeah, which, which was disappointing. But I think the, the overarching story for Portland in general is they're just not shooting well. I mean, they're shooting 41% from the field, 32 from behind the arc. And sorry, those, those, yeah. And then that's compared to 45 and 36% in the, in the regular season. And then, but I think the silver lining with that, and it's been well documented, is that a lot of the shots they're getting are wide open. They're They're just, just they're just not falling. Yeah. But I think that's a little disconcerting because it's their home court. So hopefully that doesn't continue on the road. But um, if you look at it, 56.4% of their shots are considered open or wide open. So that's uh, open is de- the defense within four to six feet, and wide open is the defense within six plus feet. Right. So, I mean, they're getting ov- over half their shots that are, that are uncontested, which I think is important to note and is, uh, I, will, I guess, uh, another testament to Terry Stotts two underrated coaches for the Coach of the Year Award who've done phenomenal jobs with their teams. Right. Um, yeah, what do you, how do you think this, uh, this one's going to play out? you think uh, New Orleans finishes it off at home, or uh, you think Portland takes one on the road? I think this is going to go seven games. Really? I think... Uh, you think Portland figures it out? I think Portland figures it out and, and wins it in seven. Yeah, I, um, I don't know about seven. I think... I think Portland will definitely take one in New Orleans. I don't. I think Damian Lillard and CJ are, are that good. I think they're that big of stars that they're not gonna have three or four off games in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like you said, Damian Lillard loves loves the big moments. He's really a a prime time player. Uh, elevates his game around this time of season. Um, but I like I like New Orleans in in six. That's fair. I, I would take that. Six. I think my that would be if I were to bet on it, I would put New Orleans, especially with that two zero going home. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a steep hole to get out of, um, and it's demoralizing too. Think about it as a team, like you worked all season for home court advantage, right? Um, you finally got it, and then you dropped the first two games at home. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess hot take here. If if they lose. In four or five games, does Terry Stotts get fired despite him having such a great season? Right. That's um, definitely an interesting observation. Um, but another thing to look at, too, is um, on the other side with New Orleans is DeMarcus Cousins. Like, look at the success they're having without him. Yeah. Um, so do you think it's you think they're playing they're a better lineup without him there? Or do you think they could be that much better if you plug him into that lineup? I, I, I definitely don't. I think they're definitely better with DeMarcus than they were figuring out. I don't know how much better right. than they're, they're playing right now. And, and their schemes have to be different, too. So they're, they're playing a different game now than they would be if DeMarcus was back. But I think if DeMarcus was back, they would to have him on the sideline is definitely a disadvantage. Yeah. And they would definitely be better with, with DeMarcus in the lineup, for sure. Anything anything else from no, the last uh, Western Conference matchup? Nothing else from the West. Um, definitely, yeah, I think that Thunder Jazz matchup and this uh, Pelicans Trailblazers is uh, two, two interesting ones. First two games have been uh, super intriguing, and uh, I'm excited to 
see how those two play out. But um, yeah, let's get into the Eastern Conference. Uh, first one, Raptors Wizards, the one eight matchup. Raptors leading two zero. This is another one that uh, Toronto have have really been uh, dominating Washington. Uh, I think a lot of people were um, talking, uh, saying that this could be a uh, an outside an outside shot and an upset, just because John Wall's coming back mm-hmm. um, to see if he could be a, a big difference maker. But he hasn't been so far. Uh, Demar Derozan's been killing it. Uh, Toronto as a team offensively has been fantastic. Um, last game they set a bunch of playoff re- uh, franchise records. They hit 11 three-pointers in the first half. They scored 44 points in the first quarter, had seven three-pointers in the first quarter, and uh, had 130 points for the game, which Goodness. were all franchise playoff records. So they were they were scorching. They were on fire. Yeah, I think there's not too much to talk about here. I think the Wizards are are they're they're not going to win this one. Yeah, I think. I mean, I know you you highlighted. In our notes here, that that Ty Lawson was a good surprise in game yeah. two. He had he had fourteen points off the bench in uh, his debut. Hasn't played an NBA game all season. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, he was ready to get out there, but but yeah, I don't I don't see the the Raptors losing this one. I wouldn't say it's a sweep. I think the Wizards could get one together. Beal gets hot. Wall plays well. I'll yeah, s- they have the talent. They have the talent to definitely take at least one game. Um, like we've talked about before, people predicted possibly Washington as a top two or three seed in the East this year mm-hmm. before the season started, uh, but they they've severely underachieved. Um, but I think I think overall the overriding thing for Washington is a um, something to look at is a video came out of them on the bench in the middle of the game. John Wall and Gortat were mm-hmm. screaming at oh, each yeah. other, and and Brad Beal's face was in his towel right next to him, just like. They were like at that point when you see that happen on the bench, like they're cooked. Yeah, they have no, they have no chance of making a comeback if they're if that's like what they're like on the bench. So yeah, um, I think there's definitely some some egos and attitudes that play in that locker room, and, and a lot of big personalities and and guys that are really upfront with each other and and can be confrontational at times. Right, you've seen John Wall and Marcin Gortat's Twitter beef. And then subtweeting each other. I, I don't think that's a super huge storyline, but it it definitely doesn't help, especially when you're down two zero. Right. It's those it's those little things that um can add up, and especially when you're losing now, they start to become bigger deal, bigger of a deal than they they have been in the past. Um. So anything more on that? No. Let's let's move on to Cavs with the four seed versus the Pacers at the five seed. I think we can start with some. Semi breaking news that that Kevin Love suffered a partially torn ligament in his left thumb. That's, yeah. So that that's his non shooting hand. So it it definitely would affect him. I don't know how much it'll affect his shot, and he'll definitely play through it. But that's just something to note as as the series goes series goes on. It's it's tied one one. Indiana actually won the season series three to one. And they, they're really, the Pacers are really attacking the Cavs. Victor Oladipo is not afraid of the spotlight. He is, he is not afraid of LeBron James, and he has just been going at him. Yeah, Victor Oladipo, he's leading any player in the playoffs so far with a 37.8 usage percentage. Um, so they're, they're really relying on him. They're, 
their offense is going through him, and uh, he's been producing. So um, they took one on the road in Cleveland. Um, Cavaliers fans, I know, are a little getting a little anxious here because, mm-hmm. um, especially with the implications, if Cleveland loses the series, um, honestly, I don't see LeBron staying if they get bounced in the first round. Um, but that's that's a little while from now. Um, I think the Cavs are a more talented team. More talented, not a better team, but uh, definitely more talented. Um, but yeah, let's look at some of these numbers, um, especially in, in Cleveland's win in Game 2. LeBron really kind of took it into his own, in, into his own hands to, um, to secure a win. Uh, his usage rating went up uh, to 40% for Game 2 in the win when it was at 27.9% Game 1 in the loss. Um, so I think LeBron was really kind of said, Hey, I'm going to put the team on my back here and cause we need this win. So, um, what is, uh, what else can we look at? Yeah. Here? I mean, he, he poured in like, he poured in 40 plus points. Yeah. 45, I believe in, in game two, whereas he only, and then in game one, he took like four shots, four or five shots in the first quarter, which, which isn't going to work. I think something to look at is LeBron did so much. But yet they only won by three. Yeah, which for the Pacers is definitely good news because, mm-hmm. I mean, LeBron James is great, but I don't know if he can put up those types of numbers, uh, all series, and definitely not the whole playoffs. Right. But you look at you look at the team shooting for um, Indiana: Victor Oladipo, Thaddeus Young, Miles Turner, and Trevor Booker. Their true shooting percentage and effective field goal percentages are between sixty-five and seventy. 70 percent yeah that's true shooting true shooting percentage takes into consideration free throws and effective field goal percentages um weights three pointers higher and then also you look at it we talked about oladipo and how they rely on him he he just continues to fill up the stat sheet he's got 27 points 4.5 rebounds five assists and three steals per game which is absolutely phenomenal yeah and i think um Really for Cleveland too, this Kevin Love injury. Even if he still plays, um, I don't know if he's going to be a hundred percent or not. Um, especially with his injury struggles all season, they were really waiting for him to come back. They say, mm-hmm. "Hey, you need that second superstar next LeBron." You know, if if Love gets back and healthy, then hey, maybe we can make make a run for the uh, run to the finals again. But um, this injury is too bad. Um, I mean, I feel bad for Kevin Love feel bad for the Cavs, but hey, you can never predict this stuff, and um, yeah, we'll see how this plays out, but uh, what's your prediction? Um, I really want to say like Pacers in, in five or six, but then again, it's LeBron and the Cavs earlier yeah. on when we were looking at the playoff predictions and breakdown of the brackets, I, I had the Cavs coming out on top, or one of the teams come out on top. I... I I'll go ahead and say Pacers. I'll take Pacers in six. They've been the un- they've been taken as the underdogs all season. Yeah. I'll, I'll stick with them. I mean, yeah, I, I like that pick. I'm I'm gonna say Cavs in seven. I just I don't see a LeBron James led team losing the first round. That's, you know what I mean? that's fair. I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't argue a Cavs winning the series pick. Right, uh, but I, but I'm just nothing against the Pacers. Like they, I mean, they're playing fantastic, but I just think. LeBron's the type of guy who could go on a tear for a couple games and, and single-handedly win his team a series. Yeah. He's done it before. He's done it when he was in his early 20s, 
Yeah. He's way better now than he was then. Um, you know, single-handedly beat the Pistons, who in 07, yeah. Eastern Conference Finals, one of the, probably one of the biggest upsets um, in recent memory in a, in a playoff series. Um, really led that bad, that really bad Cleveland team to the finals. Yeah, he's led a couple of bad Cleveland yeah. teams. <laughs> um, and I would say including yeah, this year. I just... I just can't bet against LeBron in a first-round matchup. Um, That's fair. So, yeah, I, I, I say Cavs at seven. Looking looking at the, the Celtics-Bucks, Celtics with the two-seed, Bucks with the seven-seed. Celtics are up 2-0 in the series. They split the season series during the during the regular season 2-2. And so far, the Celtics have a 7.3 net rating. And they've really been finding their offensive touch. They're shooting 47 percent from the field 41 percent from behind the arc which has been their criticism during the regular season was they've they've lacked the offensive ability and go through these droughts so it's good to see they're they're shooting well especially without having Kyrie Irving I think a part of that is is Jalen Brown has been going off scored 30 the other night Mm -hmm. averaging 25 throughout the the two games and he's also getting help from from Scary Terry, Terry Rozier, and, and Al Horford, who are averaging twenty three points per game and twenty points per game respectively. Yeah, I think I think Rozier has really been maybe their most valuable player through these first two games, um, with him stepping up into into a huge role. Um, going into the playoffs, they're undermanned. Kyrie's out, and uh, he's been averaging twenty three points per game through two games. Mm-hmm. Um, hit a huge shot game one. Yeah, thought it was going to oh be the game gosh. winner. Um, it was an insane step back move. Um, everyone thought it was going to be the game winner. Point five seconds. I still don't know how Middleton got that yeah. that shot off. But um, hey, Celtics took it in overtime. Um, looking at the matchup between uh, Terry Rozier and Eric Bledsoe, which has been getting a lot of press. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been guarded by Bledsoe on eighty eight possessions, and he scored twenty two points, shooting sixty percent from the field. Um, and six for ten from three when Bledsoe's guarding him, and I think beyond the stats, something to look at is a couple times, um, people caught Eric Bledsoe not even closing out hard. Yeah. With his with high hands, which is in the playoffs, like, come on, man. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just, um, it's the first round of the playoffs. You're in the NBA. Right. You don't think you could close out with your hands high? If I'm the coach, I'm I'm chewing him out in the locker room. Um. Because that's just not winning basketball. So um, yeah, and also if you look at the reverse, when uh, Terry Rozier is guarding Bledsoe, Bledsoe's only scored fourteen points on thirty three point three percent from the field. Yeah, and he's also forced four turnovers, uh, to two assists from Bledsoe. So as as a primary ball handler, you don't want a negative assist yeah. to turnover ratio. Yeah, Bledsoe just. Really hasn't haven't been given him much, and it's um it's not looking good for Milwaukee right now because it's it's starting to look like a failed experiment because they really mid season they fired Jason Kidd they Jason Kidd was really preaching the philosophy of um like six seven and up guys with long arms um across the board starting with the point guard and um, it wasn't working out so management said hey we want to go in a different direction they signed they traded for Bledsoe. They signed Brandon Jennings. Mm-hmm. Um, get a little more quickness, athleticism of the point guard. I mean, Bledsoe during the regular season has, has done a little bit of damage, but here he is not looking great. Um, 
other guys like Tony Snell, Jabari Parker, who are big big contributors for them, also have been producing. And you can tell just by looking at um, Giannis and Chris Middleton's numbers, Giannis is averaging 32.5 points per game, and Chris Middleton's averaging 28 points per game through the first two games. So that's that's about uh, 60 of their points right there between two guys. So um, if the Bucks, um want a chance to win, some of those other pieces have to have to really step up and put some points on the board. Yeah, I think their defensive scheme is a little bit weird, especially with what they had previously with Jason Kidd. They did a lot of stuff with pressing, and Prunty scaled that back a little bit, but he's that that defensive scheme is still carried on a little bit, and it's it's definitely a weird weird scheme. So I think once they get, although Prunty is going to be in consideration, I guess that's another coaching change to look at too is who's going to take the Milwaukee job because that is a job everybody wants. Right, because the, the talent is there. Absolutely. The talent's there to have a successful team, especially in the Eastern Conference. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely going into the offseason. That's going to be an interesting job to look at because I, I think they could really get a good coach there. Yeah. Um, I And for the ending of the series, I say Celtics in five. I say Bucks get at least one. Yeah, I think Bucks get one too. I say Celtics in five or six. Um, just because... Going into Milwaukee, I think those fans are going to be excited because mm-hmm. the first two games were close. Yeah, relatively. Second game was in, but um, you know, I think they have some hope. Kyrie's down. Um, I I really think Milwaukee has some hope. I think they could take one, maybe two, uh, but I, I do I do see the Celtics coming out on top, probably in five or six. Yeah, looking at the the Seventy Sixers and the Heat, Seventy Sixers with the three seed, Heat with the six seed. Looking at the 76ers going in, I thought for sure they were going to reach the conference finals. Joe, with We had to see how they play without Joel and Embiid. Mm-hmm. And it's been okay so far. I mean, we have the game going on on mute in the background. And Philadelphia's up five in the beginning of the fourth quarter with, with Embiid back, and that was the big news for the game. But the series is tied 1-1. We'll see. Looks, I, I think the 76ers will close out this game and, and be up 2-1. But they split the season series two to two, and the 76ers have had uh, the positive net rating at four point eight. Yeah, I I think the real question mark for the series is uh, Joel Embiid's impact. Um, I think as long as he's out there, I think Philadelphia wins this easily. Mm-hmm. Um, with him not with him not on the court, I think the teams are actually pretty even. Yeah. Um, because Miami's no pushover. Uh, they got some guys down there that could play. They all play hard. Um, they're very good defensively. They got a lot of underrated guys that, um, like I said, they just go out there and hustle. And Dwayne Wade, look in game two, had twenty eight points, kind of, mm-hmm. kind of single handedly uh, won that game for them. Huge performance for him, kind of vintage D Wade, uh, playoff D Wade. Uh, but um, like I said, Embiid's playing tonight, and um, I think. I think Philadelphia will take control of the series once he gets out there. Um, yeah. Another guy who's been pretty effective is uh, Kelly Olynyk for the Heat. Um, 18.5 points per game, six rebounds, four assists. I don't know I don't know what it is with Olynyk, but like he's another guy that always seems to step up in the playoffs. He had a couple of big games for Boston last year. Um, but, you know, I, I believe it's his birthday today too. Happy birthday, Kelly Olynyk. 
if he's listening. <laughs> uh, maybe not right now, but maybe later. But uh, Kelly Olenek, he's done. He's played very well, and he's shooting good percentage, giving them that that stretch big big men spot, shooting over forty percent from three, which is really huge. Going back to D Wade though, he's he's you talked about how he's been crucial, looking like old D Wade. Also, I think somebody knows how effective he's been. True shooting percentage at at sixty nine percent and effective mm-hmm. field goal percentage at sixty five and. Dwayne Wade hasn't been a super efficient scorer throughout his time, so the fact that he's making a lot of the shots he's taking is is definitely big, especially as he gets older and his game has to change a little bit more. He's got to be more of a jump shooter, yep, and he he's not as explosive. So that's that's great to see if if that continues. Right, I think this is what he's been resting up for too. Um, I think this this Heat team. I think I don't know about over Philadelphia, but they're definitely talented enough that they um, could possibly win a, a playoff series. I think that's what Dwayne Wade and the Heat were hoping for, kind of resting him a little more in the in the at towards the end of the regular season to, you know, so he has the energy for this playoff series to kind of go out there and be that go-to score for them that they've right. kind of been lacking. Um, but yeah, right now tied at one one. Joel Embiid's coming back. That could swing things. I like I like Philadelphia and. Six, I I I would say Philadelphia and six. That would yeah. be my my initial prediction. Looking looking more at the Seventy Sixers too. Dario Sarge and Ben Simmons, the two the two young guys, both came in to the team at the same time. Although of course Ben Simmons had to sit out that that first year, mm-hmm. but they've been killing it. They've have a combined forty two points per game, and that's pretty evenly split uh, around twenty one twenty one. And then also Ben Simmons has been filling up the stat, sh- stat sheet again. As like usual, he yep. He's almost averaging a triple-double with 20.5 points, 9 rebounds, and 11 assists a game. And he's been phenomenal, even on the bigger stage, which which has been really great for the 76ers. And, um, yeah, is there is there anything else you have, 76ers heat, or, or anything else that, that we didn't cover? Uh, no, I mean, I think this is a, this is a good matchup, too. Teams that I've lo- I've loved watching throughout the season, um, Miami they play hard, Philadelphia they got a lot of young talent. Um, I'm gonna be excited to watch a couple more games of the series, but um, yeah, I think we we pretty much covered everything. A uh, couple really good series going on in the first round, uh, some upsets looming. Definitely a lot of storylines uh, in the NBA right now for the playoffs. So. It's an exciting time for the league. It's an exciting time for us, uh, the fans. So, yeah, that's about all I got. Yeah, and um, we we want to apologize. We haven't gotten a podcast out in about a week. We've had some technical difficulties with our end-of-the-year awards. Yep. We got that set, but we want to get this one at least before most of the Game 3s had started and were finished. So everyone's got some like good perspective on on the first two games and how these series are going, remember to check out our website, take-charge-basketball.com. We have uh, our blog, my blog post that I wrote on coaches also being general managers and front office um, staff members, and we'll look into to write a few more articles. If anybody, any of our listeners has any suggestions, I'd, I'd love to take that. We got some t-shirts coming in. Yep, that's going to be fun. Absolutely. 
maybe we'll start selling some merch pretty soon. We'll we'll see see how things take off. Mm-hmm. Um, but but for now, thank you for listening again on Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe, and and thanks for listening to another episode of the Take Charge Basketball Podcast.